It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Exploration's Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. On with the show. Happy to be here. Tomorrow, you've got a big glass of clear liquid. I'm guessing that's vodka. <laughs> You're guessing quite wrong. <laughs> Wrongly. It's water. Oh, okay. Well, that's that would be that would have been my second guess. With us uh, back for part two of her early learning journey, we have uh, Tosh Treverton. How are you doing, Tosh? I'm really good. Thank you very much. So when we left off, we left off in 2003 with part one. Uh, listeners, that was episode 805. If I'm doing my job right, there's a link to that first episode in the show notes for this one you're listening to now. Um, so we'll just assume that it's there. 2003? Uh, 2003 was when we were up to. Huh. We, oh, um, oh yeah. you mean in her life? In her <laughs> life. <laughs> yes. Okay. Good. So, so uh, actually, we're we're maybe what a third of the way into your no, you're 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 only twenty, aren't you? So you you must have been three yes. at the two thousand. Anyway, we uh, we wrapped up that that first episode with uh, some cervix talk. Uh, <laughs> we with... <laughs> tomorrow. You don't remember? Uh, wait a minute. I'm just getting my vodka. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. As, as as that episode wrapped up, I, I re-listened to the couple, last couple minutes uh, today. We talked. Uh, uh, I mentioned that this was probably the first Cervex talk on the childcare bar and grill, and Tamar was disappointed in that and thought there should have been more. Um, and uh, and uh, and and there we are. So there's the there's the recap for where we are. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping that we're not going to pick up on the Cervex talk. On the other hand, if that's where we go, I'm cool with that as well where do we start me too where do you want to start tasha well i think um 2003 was when around the time i met nicole mm-hmm. so that's i think i think that finished well so my um eldest son who is actually 20 now he was two um and i had a bit before i think i told talked a bit of the story when before tom was at the atwood rising with us um and so nicole came in straight from TAFE and when uh, her and I met, so we were at um, a community-based service. It was two room, uh, 29 place, age two to six-year-olds, um, beautiful um, service. And we, um, Nicole came in straight from TAFE, which is sort of where you sort of like college, I think for you guys, where you go after, but it's not university, sort of in between, you know. Yeah, kind of um, community college kind of thing. 
Yeah, yeah. So Nicole had arrived straight from um, school and TAFE then to there, and her and I just hit it off straight away. Um, we had some, <laughs> is that water that you're drinking too, Jeff? That is uh, Raiders Tears Irish whiskey that I'm drinking. <laughs> okay. Lacey's honest. <laughs> this is going to be fun. um yeah so Nicole came in and her and I were working together in a team um we had some interesting leadership we had a really um she she had trained under um a similar uh, actually Sonia Lydia which I actually did talk about in the last one who was my TAFE teacher actually got me through early childhood when I did TAFE um she had been trained under Sonia as well which was interesting so but we also both didn't have a lot of experience working in other context which was a good thing for Australia at that time we were just shifting into what they called the the New South Wales emergent curriculum so um, Australia had just sort of shifted from that very um, very structured this is what we do on term two week three day one we'll do blue you know that was a sort of um, that was a sort of pedagogy and the type of programming that we're moving out of at that time so we just moved into this emergent curriculum that was really getting um, pushed everywhere I guess which was a great thing so Nicole and I both hadn't worked under that older system for much we had a couple of people in the team that were still really stuck in there like um you know home corner would be programmed to change every two weeks and things like that so it'd be Chinese restaurant one week uh, one fortnight and then it'd be hairdressing the next and it was programmed out for six months so there was still that element in there but we were in a really unique position to have um some really good people around us, but also not having those bad those bad habits to undo. We and we weren't really yeah. aware of them either, which was really interesting for us. Were you were you not aware of them even as you were educated? Like when you were a child, were you educated under that structured system? No, I think because what seems to have happened in Australia, it's sort of come full circle. So when I was at preschool, it, it was play. You know, yeah. we had the big concrete tunnels that we'd launch ourselves off and it was, it was all I remember was playing. I don't remember, you know, I sort of guess I remember doing maybe some sitting down and writing my name stuff, but not, um, it didn't feel, it felt free, I guess. But I think what happened then is when it became more, early childhood became more structured and I guess regulated in Australia, then all these structures came into it that put that sort of stuff on. I could be wrong, but I felt... Well, you're right. A lot of educators that I um, that had been in the industry for say twenty or thirty or twenty years before I came into it, um, when we would unpack the emergent curriculum together, they would talk about how it felt like it was going back to what it used to be. Right. And I think I, I was lucky enough to be in that gap where I missed all that. I got, got the good stuff at the beginning, and then came into it when it was good as well. So, I, I suspect that um, Australia at that time, when you were a child was a lot like Israel and we were influenced by the British infant schools, which were very um, play oriented and emergent curriculum. And then everybody became structured and mm. lost that stuff. Why? <laughs> uh, well, testing, wanting to, to compete with other countries. I mean, rubbish yeah. really, but <laughs> that's why. Somebody wrote and a think- curriculum and, and was good at selling it. Yeah, I think a lot of it's to to that school readiness stuff. Like I think it went through that period, like you said, the competitiveness to Ma, but 
and for us here in Australia, it was like getting them ready for school. So right. they brought in an earlier curriculum that was like dumbed down school. Exactly. I call it, you know, preparing you for the afterlife. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think also, um, I mean, in Australia, we don't know. And I'm sure it's the same in lots of other countries, but our Minister for Education or the Minister for Early Childhood has no idea about early childhood or education. So the, the person that is making the decisions or, I mean, they're being guided by people, but ultimately the people making decisions aren't the ones who are trained in it or don't, and, or don't have the most recent up-to-date research or that sort of thing. The wrong people making the, the wrong decisions. Right, right, mm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. So um, we're actually about to go to election this weekend, so it's all sort of coming back up again. Oh, interesting. <laughs> oh, it shall be, yes. But I'm um, sure everything, everything will be fine after, I mean, you'll, you'll elect, uh, elect officials who are going to make the right, right choices, and, and in 18 months, everything will be fine and, and going forward <laughs> for the next generation, right? Uh, we, we are seeing a shift. Like um, this is the most promising election that I've s- sort of come through in my adult life. I think because of what's happened over the last couple of years, um, a lot of people are actually questioning now, like not just go. And there's lots of other alternatives coming through in Australia and, and being vocal about it. So it'll, watch this space. It could be interesting to see what happens in the next probably, yeah, next six months. Oh, well, I, I, hope, I hope Joe, Joe Biden gets elected uh, president of uh, Australia. So, uh, so. <laughs> <Please no. laughs> uh, okay. So yeah. So Nicole and I came in at a really, um, we were in a great spot and we were allowed to sort of evolve our practice as we did. Um, we ate up research and, and the practice that we were doing and, and learning more about what we're doing constantly. Um, we were both really impassioned about what we were doing. So we were just we were like sponges, really. And we had one early childhood teacher that she was amazing in one way and then not so much in another way. But from a practice perspective, she was very inspired by Reggio Amelia. She had a lot of knowledge around that emergent curriculum and um, was very good at showing us how she did it, but maybe not so much as sharing with us. She, she was very much a top-down leader. So I learned lots of lessons from her. She taught us a lot of um, great practice and really set I think Nicole and I on our path for um, where we have gotten to Um, but she also taught me lessons on how to lead teams or how not to I guess as well so Mm -hmm. it was um, very uh, top-down hierarchy in our room at that time so and also a real um, I, I have a bit of frustration with the qualification elitism that well, we have it here in Australia in particular, um, you know, like, so if you're a uni graduated, you're much better educated than if you're only TAFE or if you're only, you know, and I strongly disagree with that because I have worked with people from um, who are completely untrained all the way through to, you know, graduating with honours from university, as we would get told every five minutes. Um, and the one, some of the ones that were completely, you know, the mum that jumped in so we were in in ratios that day because someone had called in sick with no qualifications but just loved being around kids she had way more potential and and could have been way more way better an educator than the one that was uni qualified so um in australia there is a bit of that that we sort of try to push back a little bit but there's sort of two two um groups about that i guess um do other people who are educated as you say um the elitist are they getting paid more too 
Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. The higher qualified you are, the more you get paid. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's about passion. And um, in Australia in particular, um, you know, you might go and do an early childhood degree at the university, but it depends on what lecturers you get. It depends what university you go to, what, how high quality that degree actually is. Yeah. I actually went through three different universities <laughs> because yeah. I really got frustrated with them around the quality of um courses and lectures and things like that and because by the time I went to university which was a little bit later um I'd already done a lot of my own research and was sort of in that field and and in the more progressive approaches to early childhood so when I went to university and they didn't they thought that they thought that the hundred languages of children poem by Laurie Malaguzzi was a nice poem but not really relevant to play <laughs> so I left that university that day you, you disagreed Yes. Um, yeah, we had lots of chats, me and my lecturer, um, because she failed me on my um, assignment of what is play. And um, I used Laura Malaguzzi's poem as part of that. And, um, and yeah, in the end, she agreed with me, but she refused to change my mark. So I, I left the university. Yes, you talked about that. I, that it's such a terrible story, really. It's so yeah. ignorant, actually. It is, yeah. And, and, and that's where in Australia... There's this um, sort of a little tagline called um, qualifications don't equal quality. You know, yeah. so and that, and that can be a little bit contentious in Australia. So I have been raked over the coals a few times for my um, take on that, but I've experienced it, you know. I don't. Yeah, and it, it's, it makes it so much more complex because people are getting paid more. So that's just like mm -hmm. almost pitting once again, one, one against yeah. the other. Yeah. Way, and, and I mean, it's, it's the same here. There, there is, and, and there's a difference between education and, and, um, and certification. I mean, if you, a lot of, a lot of, I mean, there are plenty of people who go through uh, a, a university degree and they're they're certified as as skilled and qualified in in early learning and they've never spent um very much time in a room with actual human human children or they don't have <laughs> have that uh that that inner gut that makes them skilled and qualified in that profession. And I mean, I'm, I'm working through something along those that right now, um, there's a, a state that I'm working with, which will remain nameless, who is in the process of, uh, of implementing a, a training uh, registry so they can keep track of all the trainings that goes on with early learning people, which is, I mean, done right. It's a good thing. You, you have that, that accountability there. Uh, but for their trainers, they didn't, they built a path where the only trainers they, they allow are, are trainers who, who have uh, four-year degrees. Um, and they did, they didn't even consider that there are plenty of people. Um, I, I mean, I'm one of them. I'm a proud dropout, uh, that, that, <laughs> that work through the profession, um, in other ways. And I, I've met plenty of family childcare providers, for example, who, who never set a set foot in a college or university classroom that, that had 20 or 30 years of experience in the field and were, were just 
overqualified almost for what they did and and should be training other people in the profession but but they don't they don't have that knack and now the state is they 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 actually realize that oh we didn't even consider that but of course everybody on their committee um is is from from that path so of course they didn't consider it so they're they're actually at this moment looking at revising it which i mean we'll see what happens but i think that goes on all over the place here too yeah, that, that, that's exciting that they are actually considering revising it too, isn't it? Um, well, I mean, they might have just said they're they're going to look at that just to make me shut up and go away. Well, uh, we'll yeah. So, do you do you have any regrets that you became an early childhood professional? Oh gosh, no. Only that I'm too obsessed. Uh -huh. No, I mean, like, was is there is this another profession you would have preferred to do? Oh, I'd love to be like one of those people who review five-star hotels all across the world. <laughs> <laughs> they are some of my favourite shows to watch. <laughs> don't, don't make me spit out my whiskey. I love to travel. <laughs> I love travelling. That's, yeah, one of my passions. So, um, yeah. but, but no, no, never regretted it at all. Um, yeah. I have recently in the last two years started a couple of other side businesses just because Nicole and I have owned Inspired EC now for 14 years and um, there was just, uh, my brain goes a, a lot and there was just other things that I was interested in um, that I have sort of started on the side just because they're completely irrelevant to early childhood. So, yeah. um, but no, I have never found anything that I thought, oh gosh, I wish I was doing that instead. Never. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that and, always interests me about people who go into early childhood. If that's the, what the path that they really wanted? Oh, I mean, I fell into it after because, I, I mean, before early childhood, I ran photo labs and nearly joined the army. Um, I, what else? I ran bars all up and down the coast. Like, so I'd, it wasn't something that I wanted to do my whole life, but when I found it, that was it. I knew. Yeah. I knew that this was me. But you were older too. Yeah. Yep. So that makes yeah. a big difference, I think. So how I long think did you, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're right. How, how long did you and Nicole work together in the center before the idea of doing something else or something together come about? So Nicole started 2003, Inspired EC started in, um, officially started in 2007. So we worked at the service together there um, doing lots of, so when we first started there, it was like your standard preschool it had rubber concrete playgrounds you know I still remember the first day I started there all I wanted to do was go out and play hide and seek um I had no I was an untrained casual I had no idea I was just um, a mum of a six-month-old and someone said oh come and we need a casual so and I just wanted I got the kids so excited because I'm like they just said I'll just play with the kids I'm like this is like the best job ever um and I'm and I'm going okay when we go outside we're going to play hide and seek and they're like nearly busting the doors out of, like to try and get outside and um and when we went out onto the veranda I looked around and the only thing you could hide behind were pole protectors which are like in Australia what we do is we wrap any metal pole that you might have in your playground with these foam cushioning pads we don't wrap the building them this is where it hasn't ever been logical for me all the metal poles are wrapped but the building and the concrete pylons aren't i don't know where that what, comes what about the trees you're up no, the no, trees? Trees. No? no no not the fences not any other hard surfaces just those metal poles huh. but 
Um, but yeah, so that was all we could hide behind <laughs> was the pulpit. There was nothing else to hide behind. So when I became permanent, which was after about a year, um, Nicole came in around that same time when I became permanent. Um, we then, I used to help, I'm really passionate about outdoor plates, just feels good for me to be outside. I, at that time, I didn't really know. It felt good in my gut, but I didn't know the pedagogy behind it yet, but it felt great and I liked being out there and a lot of the other educators didn't. So I tended to be the one out there all the time and I organised a bit of a working bee one weekend and the purpose of it was just to, for us to start adjusting the outdoor environment. But the, the purpose of that first working bee was to create places to hide when we play hide and seek. Hmm. So we built gardens and keyhole gardens and put vegetation in and, um, yeah, that was that first um, part for for that so we eventually evolved that service there into something magical so it's now the name of it's called wood rising natural learning center um the director that took on after nicole and i left sort of changed the name which is something we'd always wanted to do but while we were there um, we actually nicole and i used to start it backed onto some beautiful bushland um and so we we're really lucky for that and um nicole and i used to go walking in our lunch break to you know get the you know, a bit of exercise and whatever and we'd find all these amazing things and we'd be bringing them back and one of them was this huge big log stump thing that looked like a dragon head and we dragged it back the pair of us dragged it back it was like probably 20 30 kilos I don't know how heavy it was but it was very awkward but every time we walked back in that gate the children would be like where have you been like they were so excited to hear about our adventures mm-hmm. and Nick and I once said, like, well, why? Why aren't we taking those guys out? Like, it just seemed ridiculous. So um, we started doing excursions and um, developed the the outdoor space there into a really natural, amazing outdoor space. Our um, practice there was very progressive at that service as well. So we're doing things, again, Nick and I didn't know why we are doing them. It just felt right. Um, we were confident to... Um, like we always thought about what we wanted to do and then we'd look at the regulations and see how we could fit it in, not the other way around. Mm, great. great. <laughs> that was a, a big, because a lot of people question, why are you doing this or how are you doing this? I'm like, we just want to know what we want to do. And we know at that time we didn't actually know why as much. Um, that sort of came a little bit later, but it was just, it felt good. And so if we can make it work and then and the results from the children and family spoke for themselves too. we become much more connected to our community um, the children were just, yeah, we, we went from when Nicole and I first started at that service, they were at like 65% capacity or something, 70%. And by the time we handed over, um, there was like a two-year wait list to get your child in there, you know, and that's and it wasn't high socioeconomics. It wasn't all fancy pants stuff. It was just really good practice and, and really the really important stuff for children. Um, so then, uh, yeah, so Nicole and I, Start, people start asking us for advice. The uni and the TAFE started bringing their students out to see our practice and things like that. So we sort of started to get a bit of a reputation. Um, we then started to do little workshops that we could do, like bringing people in and through the service, um, we would on weekends or um, of an evening, we'd invite people in to see the service and we'd charge them a little bit of money and then we'd save it so we could go to the bigger conferences that were around because Newcastle tended not to have a great deal of exciting stuff going on, except for like child protection courses or you know food handling or mm-hmm. anything like that. <laughs> so um, Nicole and I were always searching for more stuff and we were sitting down at a conference in um, 
Tasmania, which is a state of Australia, and there was a Reggio Melia conference um, there, and there was a we were listening to the keynoter um, who was um, uh, Tatiana Filippini. She's an amazing speaker. And we were so, after she spoke, we were like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Everyone who's in early childhood needs to come to these things to become impassioned about what we're doing. And, you know, for, for when it's hard, that sort of stuff is what keeps you going, you know. And we turned around and we said, why don't we do that? And so that was when Inspired EC was born in Hobart 2007 at that conference. Um, so then uh, we decided what we needed to do was bring those opportunities to more rural places. Um, so we dragged people um, from internationally. Actually, we started then hassling people from overseas like Jeff and Teacher Tom. And um, But just prior to that, we'd um, put a paper in to present to um, a conference that was in Perth in Western Australia. Um, and it was a nature-based conference and Claire Warden was the keynote speaker and she was like my first pedagogical idol like I just oh my gosh you know like she's just so everything she spoke to everything I read from her it just spoke to my stomach about nature play like it was all that good stuff that I felt great and then she spoke the words to it so I learned so much from her over the years and have learned so much over the years and so she was um, presenting at a conference in West Australia, we had been accepted to do a little workshop there on our journey to start nature play with children and, and especially outdoor out the back gates. And she came in uh, and her and some other people come and sat at our workshop. Uh, but I still remember, yeah, it was Nicole had like an asthma attack in the cave. Like So uh, Claire did the keynote in this cave. It was like, but then it was really cold. And then Claire, um, Nicole had an asthma attack while we are in there. So it was very dramatic. <laughs> but it was very exciting all at the same time so um we actually met Claire there and then um Nicole and I were like right we need to do a conference in Newcastle we need to bring all this amazingness so Claire was actually the keynote for our first ever Inspired EC conference which was amazing we've had Angela Hans come out we've had like yeah well, were Hans you still work were you were you still working at the center when you started the business Yes, yes, um, we were. We were doing workshops and things on on the side after school. Then Nicole and I actually fell pregnant within seven months of each other. <laughs> so my, my Such good um, friends. <laughs> yes, I know, and I keep saying to people, we weren't like we're work wives, but that's it. Like we're not other wives; we're just work wives. So it just it was ran. It wasn't planned. Neither of them. I think. Nicole, they were trying, I'm pretty sure. Mine was a little bit more random. So my, my boys are nine years apart. So, um, but it happened and it was great. But why, while we were off, it sort of gave us the headspace and the time space, like when we're on maternity leave, to really go, okay. And then um, one of our clients who'd done some workshops with us had actually said, hey, why don't you, um, can you come and help us design our playground? We're going to read. We've got a redesign for the playground. I'm like, oh yeah, for sure, that'd be fun. So um, I helped them design it, and I just used all the elements of the stuff that I'd learned through Claire and our um, practice. Because at that time, we really got started to delve into risky play stuff um, with Claire, and so we sort of used that our knowledge of just how children play in natural and outdoors, and just as as much as possible, just getting rid of any artificial elements um, and bringing in nature as much as possible, messy play, all that sort of thing, and creating spaces within spaces outdoors. 
Um, so now we've been, and that was our first one. It was a pretty big project um, at, for us at that time. And it sort of then gave us the space and capacity to step back from full-time work in, when we went back from maternity leave and then just build from there. So, um, so and now, well, was that scary? Yeah. <laughs> but scary is exciting. Well, sure, sure. Yeah. And it's well, also Nicole, scary. Yeah, Nicole was dying on the inside because Nicole's like my opposite person. So she's like the planner, the stressor, that sort of stuff. I, I stress, but I don't really realise I'm stressing until my body shuts down. So, um, But I like the excitement of it. And I love knowing this. My favourite thing about Inspire DC and what we do is that everything we do has positive, helps to create positive outcomes for children in so many different ways. Like whether it's our in-home care people, supporting them to be able to be the best and have, you know, like, when we first started family daycare, um, we call it family daycare here, but you guys call it in-home care, I think. So when we first started as a coordination unit for that, um, most educators weren't able to go outside the gate, really. It was very, um, their, their coordination schemes were pretty much on lockdown with them. So, but we knew that children could be, got, I mean, especially if you're one person with four children, how amazing to be able to go to the park and the beach and the, you know, the river and the stream and all these amazing opportunities that are much harder in a big service it's just right. the logistics are harder and so um you know we had when we started that it allowed so many more people to be able to do that in their practice but it also role modeled it for other fam, um, family daycare schemes they saw us doing it and it was like oh it's not so scary now because someone else is doing it and they're not getting shut down so we can um we were sort of a bit of a role model for that um which was amazing jeff and, isn't it called family child care here you, yeah, usually, but I mean, some states are going with, uh, I mean, the licensing goes with, uh, with group day home. I mean, uh, we oh, got yeah. 50 states, so we got yeah. 40, 30 or 40 different variations, but yeah, family child care, I think is, is generally the, oh, the okay. term used yeah. here. So you're, 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 you've both got newborn, maybe not newborns, but under one infants young children and he decided oh hell let's start a business yep yeah we did it was actually in a box on wheels to start with it was like this little crate on wheels and we'd wheel it from each of our houses because we obviously it was easier for us to work from either house because we had the children um <laughs> and so we would just one day be from my house and i also lived behind the childcare service that we worked in too so um We'd be like wheeling up my back gate up through the house, and then we chuck the business in. We call it our business in a box. So, <laughs> so how long did it take to go from from working? Were you full time or part time at the center at this point? Uh, I had come back part time um, because I we'd already gotten that contract. So the day that I was due to have um, to have Oscar. So the day I was due to have him, um, we had we were at implementation um, stage of that playground. So because we actually ended up building it as well, we got contractors and everything, right? So the day I was due to give birth to him, I planted two hundred of those mini mondo grasses <laughs> in, the, in along this garden bed. Me and my big belly sitting down, dragging the tray of plants along. <laughs> it was ten, ten days late, of course. He came out. I reckon there's fingernails on the inside of my uterus. Because uh, we had to drag that one out, but um, he, yeah, it was that was amazing. Yeah, so I never went back full time because it, other things had started to happen. Um, 
Nicole did go back full-time for a little bit, but not for long. Um, and then she went, I think, part-time. And, and then, was she director then? Yep. Yeah. So I, she went off and then I became director while she was off for those, what the whole seven months difference it was. Um, I mean, before that too, we'd, uh, through the preschool that we were at, we also started an USH, which is an out-of-school hours care facility through because again, um, we had this awesome environment and philosophy. So um, we thought, why not allow for school age children too? Because at that time they're getting shipped off to all these indoor play centers. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, that's not what most people, especially the children that were going from our preschool to school, the parents were like, hey, we need more of what's happening here for our kids after school. So that was, um, so I sort of, I led that. Um, this is before we were all pregnant, <laughs> but I sort of led and developed that to start with. And then when Nicole went off on maternity leave, um, I stepped in for there. We were sort of two IC. I, I was her two IC for most of the time. And, um, yeah, and then when I went I went off on maternity leave, then she came back a little bit because her husband stayed home. He was a stay-at-home dad, which was I didn't amazing. know that. Oh, didn't he? Nice. Yeah. No. He did it for the first one and he learned his lesson because he didn't go back for the next two. <laughs> well, the next two were girls. That was uh, that's a little <laughs> bit more challenging in my experiences. Yeah. But, yeah, no, um, Nicole, yeah, she came back as director and he was a stay-at-home daddy, which was lovely. So how long, how long did it take you to decide, okay, we're going to do this new thing full-time? And how scary was that? It was... Um, yeah, it was scary. It was it just, I don't know how it all, it just things blossomed. It just blossomed in really quickly. Um, once we decided, yeah, I think Australia was ripe at the time for that too. Actually, one thing did happen to um, Australian government actually implemented a scheme where they gave childcare services money. It was um, for professional development. So it was a big cash boost in the professional development field in Australia. Um, And by that time, we had pretty good reputation. So we're getting bookings for lots of different stuff. So um, and we so we did that. We got we had this little office, which was like our first office actually was a storage unit. (laughs) <laughs> so one of the things that we love doing and nicole still does it i mean i love it too we love op shopping but she loves um and we collect stuff that we think oh my gosh that'd be amazing in child in the service um and so we would set up these like provocations for play take photos of them and people would buy them so they'd be like be sets of random stuff that you'd find at the op shops or the thrift shop and then people would buy them so then we had this great idea of Imagine if we got a space where we could just have them all set up so people could come in and look at them like a little, um, you know, like a little exhibit. Yeah, like an exhibit. So where we could open the door once a month and people could come and look at all the stuff we've got and they could buy it and we could have conversations and then that might lead to more training sessions and things like that as well. So um, we did that. But when we went looking for it, there was this really cool old building that was attached to a storage unit and it was like an old coal mining place or it was, really old ancient building but it was pretty cool so we had that set up and that was our first office then we went to so we always sort of kept it on a lower budget so we didn't never we never did a full-on investment business loan or any of that stuff it all grew organically I mean Nicole and I didn't get paid for the first probably six years either 
you know, so it was always supplementing with whatever else we, we could do. I remember getting really excited when my petrol got paid for. <laughs> <laughs> I buy the business, you know, so. Petrol um, is gas in America. Yes. It's, it's so, so nice to hear proper, proper English spoken. Petrol. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we moved to lots of little, um, so we went from that place, one of our friends had this beautiful big beach house over right near one of our favourite beaches and it was two-storey and the bottom storey was this big open space. So she actually, and she became our, like an admin assistant for us, so she offered us to rent the bottom floor of her house, which was great because we're near the beach. That was beautiful. Um, and then we went from there to a business growth centre and then from there to where we are now, which is where Timberknock's based. Yes. What brave women. That's so brave, really. To be, oh, it was scary to be without pay for six years. I mean, that's really yeah. hard. I mean, my partner at the time wasn't really impressed by it. <laughs> um, when I lived it together, um, that was Oscar's dad. But um, I mean, I knew in my gut it was going to work. Like I knew it was like, I knew it was going to happen. And I, I remember saying to him, just trust me give me three years like he was a, he's a carpenter so he could have supported us both anyway so it wasn't a problem there but um it was just I know this is going to work just trust me how um, how did you know just because I knew we we're doing good stuff and I knew we we're doing things that were different and I knew it needed to happen in Australia so I just and I knew we were building really great connections too you know like um it was and it had to happen it had to happen because what was out there and what is still is out, not is out there, but like even like our basic training for early childhood educators is garbage in Australia. It's not like our cert three, you know, the, the infant toddler practice that we get taught is just how to heat up a bottle and change a nappy. You know, like there's, it's just so behind. And we, and I knew we needed people to be as passionate about early childhood as we were to be the best they could be for the children that they had with them. So it had to work. It was just, and I was too deep by the end. But I was too deep. I had to, it had to work. It was going to make it work. And it, it, yeah. That is so interesting to me because I had the impression that Australia was so advanced in that. Mm -mm. Mm. <laughs> so, you know what? I think it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Definitely not infant toddler practice in particular. That's one that um, I spent two weeks in New Zealand with Penny Brownlee um, at the end of 2019. And we were in like this, it was like a two-week intensive. It was a week block and then a break and then a week block. But it was like 12 hours in, an, in a yoga ashram every day. You weren't allowed away from the yoga ashram. It was like intensive. Like I cried. I, it was like one of the most intense training experiences I've ever had in my whole life. Um, and I will never be the same because of what I learned there, I can't unsee. Like I came back like this warrior for infant toddler practice. <laughs> and then COVID happens and I can't do anything. Um, so it's, did, it, did it make you think about your own childhood? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Appreciate a lot more too. Um, and also like being really grateful to be the firstborn. <laughs> I tell you, there's a lot around that. There's a lot um, just for that attack. But just what it also did too was just open my eyes to how simple the needs of infants and toddlers are really, you know, like and that in early children's settings and families, they really get so stuck on the stuff that doesn't matter, like the programs. Like the, yeah. I mean, obviously we have programs, but what the program actually entails, especially for infant and toddlers, what the environments have to have, you know, the fact that just you putting your hand on someone's a baby's chest and, and then knowing that you're hearing them 
is everything to them. Mm -hmm. um, not, you know, every little baby Einstein toy and right. but all the stuff, all the stuff, the pressure that's on so many people who have babies but also work with babies and toddlers around what they think is important when right. you're the most important person and just to be with them is everything. Um, that's something I'm really passionate about sharing um, more and more in whatever way. And, and I guess that's for me in early childhood, our training, there's none of that stuff really in there. Yeah. Um, we're that's working so on that. important. Yeah. And it's so simple really. Like mm -hmm. if, yeah. But I suppose this wasn't on infant toddlers, was it? Don't let me get started on that, Jeff. You know where I'll go. We can talk infant toddlers all you want. I, I, I mentioned early childhood is infant toddlers. Yeah, I, I mentioned on a, on a show recorded yesterday. I had a, I had an opportunity to uh, kidnap a toddler the other day. Uh, she was she offered me. A, she was out in the front yard playing with uh, with a couple older I get I assume siblings. And she saw me walking by, and they were eating cookies. And so she offered me a cookie and came running over to me with her arms up. And I, for a moment, I thought, well, I could grab this child and run and really bring on a surprise to Tasha. Or or not, and so I I declined the cookie, and I I didn't pick her up, and I I moved along like a good human, but I I could have totally <laughs> okay. stole that child if I wanted to. Um, I don't know what that's got to do with anything. What was the, well, they they're lovely little people. They are there, yeah. She was she was the, just a huge cookie covered crummy smile that she had. It was delightful. What was the biggest challenge between deciding, hey, we're going to quit these jobs and start our own thing? And I know, I, I mean, 10 o'clock this morning, what's the biggest challenge that inspired ECS faced? Oh, money. You know, we, we, Nicole and I started a business based on a passion for early childhood, not on the fact that we'd gone to business school and done all those, all that training. Like to run a business is really difficult. Like, we have learned so many lessons in the last 14 years, just about everything. And because we lead, and I in particular, um, I just jump in and go, it's going to work. And um, it doesn't always. <laughs> um, but I'm a big believer. I'm, I'm a pretty spiritual person. Like I really believe if you're putting the good stuff out there and you keep being the good person, then it's got to come back around. Um, and I know what we're doing is good and I know it's, Every, every element of, of Inspired EC has positive impact on children. Uh -huh. And that's that's got to work, hey? <laughs> and it is, work. <laughs> it is know, working now. It's amazing now, but it's, yeah. It's that is a, such a yeah. big challenge in, in quality early childhood is that you need money for it. I mean, you need money for uh, professional development to pay people. I mean, it just... <laughs> Yeah. Speaking, speaking of people, how many how many staff do you have now? Oh, um, we've got about. If we include our team of um, family daycare educators, sure. we have over we have over hundred people in our team now. That's amazing. So between our support staff and our um, our people who run, because we've got Timbernock, which is a nature outdoor program, um, the the girl that helps me design playgrounds. I still design playgrounds. They're so epic and amazing now. Um, and they were before, but they just get better. With the more stuff you know about play, the better they get. Like there's sure. just more and more stuff. So between um, our family daycare support team, then we've got our resources department now. Well, that let's, we let's, slow, let's slow down and pick these apart a little bit. So talk a little bit yeah. about your family your family daycare support. What, what, yes. What's that look like? 
Yep, so we have, um, so we've got Emma who coordinates that division now, that she leads that team, um, and we have uh, educators in four states of Australia. So we've got 70 educators across four states, um, and they've got a team of um, coordinators that we, we didn't like call them coordinators, even that's the, the official name, but we call them mentors because that's their job is not to go in there. I mean, their job is to make sure they're compliant, but our educators are amazing and stay compliant anyway. We don't need to police them because they're passionate professionals. So um, so our mentor, our mentor team is just there to support them and help them be the best that they can be, really. So, so you're, you're, and, you're basically providing support services to those family programs? Yep, yep. So um, in Australia, I'm not sure how it works over there, but uh, the government subsidised childcare and family daycare is one of those ones that they subsidise, but you have to have a coordination unit, they're called, to be the funnel or the conduit of that money and to make sure it goes to the right place, mm -hmm. um, you know, and so we have an accounts team that helps support that as well as part of the family daycare team. But um, And part of being a coordination unit is that we have to make sure that they stay compliant um, to get the funding so that, the families can have the funding. So that's our official role, but the bigger part of that team's role is to support those educators to be passionate about what yeah. they do and be the best they can for their families and children. Yeah, and, and over here, the version of those things are done pretty much by government bureaucrats instead of uh, 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 private or private businesses. And so it, I think, I think over here, it comes with more bureaucracy and 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 layers and layers and so I, I i'm guessing you're probably maybe doing it more efficient but that's probably just my own bias it um, was like that here too there was all count so each um each physical jurisdiction has a council and most of the family daycare coordination units when because we were asked by educators to become a scheme they're like please do this so we can do this with you um and at that time most of them were council and it's all they're all worried about um you know them being sued they're not worried about high quality. Well, they don't know what high quality practice is for children because they're not trained professionals in it. So, you know, they're worried about, they're not letting people out the gate because they don't want a child to fall over and get sued. That's where their headspace is at. Whereas we were like, okay, what's the best opportunities you can provide for children? Let's get you there to do it. So you're providing that service. And then uh, a little bit, tell, tell us a little bit about Timbernook, the first Timber, I mean, yes. Angela Hanscom has her Timbernook program uh, that, that she she just started and you've got the first Timbernook program in Australia. Yes, yep, yeah, we, so we have Timbernook in Australia and I'm also the um, Australia, uh, the trainer for Timbernook, new Timbernook providers in Australia and New Zealand. So I support Angela from a practical perspective here. So anyone who wants to start the program in Australia, they come and train on our site. And then I support them um, through that process or through that journey because it's quite are, the journey. Are there other sites now besides the one yeah. you got to visit? How many? Yeah, we've got four operational now. Um, one, and we've got another one that may be starting, another three actually that may be starting in different states and one that should be starting in Tasmania, but the council can't wrap their head around it. So that's another story. <laughs> but they're not ours. So they're not owned by Inspired EC. Um, only, yeah. Um, yeah, but we, I support them. That's part of my mm -hmm. role for, um, for, through Timbernault now. I work sort of partially for, through Inspired. I work partially for Angela, and that's part of my role is to support any Australian providers at this stage and any that may come up in in New Zealand, which is well, exciting. Good for Angela and good for Amazing. you. Amazing. Oh, it's great. It's so much fun. Like, Tim, what else are you fun. doing? Uh, so I design and um, build playgrounds. Um we have a resource line. We've written books. Nicole and I have written a few books together. Um, and How many we, playgrounds are you doing a year? 
Oh, they're getting big. This the, <laughs> the one that's coming up now is like massive. Um, so we probably do about five or six decent sized projects a year, and then we do a lot of support smaller patchy bits in between. Like, I mean, everyone. My 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 thing is, and another reason why we got into it is because a lot of the construction companies were just charging through the roof, and people couldn't afford good good resources and good playgrounds for their their kids, and also. Most landscapers don't understand the curve is important. You know, the curve on a garden bed is important because it leads the child around to discover what's on the other play. Even though it's cheaper to do a straight line, this is important, you know. And um, we make the different elements that we do, yeah, they might break down because they're natural elements, but that's part of the um, conversation that we have with the services. It's, it's all learning about sustainability and understanding cycles and all of, we actually document um we create like a floor book so claire i'm, I'm also a trainer for uh, claire warden for talking and thinking floor books um, um in australia so we actually create a floor book of each of our designs um for our clients that actually document the whole process of what we've put in there why it's important and underpin it with all the research so that it's like a professional development in itself um so fantastic fantastic yeah. Lots of light, and also we put all the layers of sensory integration and everything. I could talk about playgrounds forever as well, so I'll stop there. <laughs> um, That's exciting stuff. Yeah, it's fun, and this is why I've never wanted another job. <laughs> like when, yeah, do, I mean, yeah, yeah, and like having people like when we brought Jeff out, even though I stressed him out and I was pretty pretty intense for him, um, him and Tash because. Um, you know, anyway. <laughs> you know, one of the first things, one of the first things that we, 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 she had me do is she, she sticks me, um, to do an online session in a, in a, in a hot, sweaty room, the air conditioner is broken. And then she takes my wife to the beach for a beer while I'm doing this, <laughs> while, while I'm doing this online training. And so they walk along the beach and have a beer while I'm sweating yeah. doing an online training. And then they, they come back. I think I got a beer later. So I think I was, yeah, be yeah, it was, it was, it was all delightful. <laughs> Yeah. So it's like, how can you not love this? Yes. And, and also when you connect and surround yourself with other passionate people who love to know and do better things for children, like it's, that's what 95% of my life is now, is being to speak to people like you guys or working with services that have invested in me coming in to help. Like, So I do a lot of consultancy and training, um, being able to go in and help them get better at what they do. And in an affordable, practical way, like, there's a lot of highbrow, high-level um, pedagogical approaches, I guess, and you know, and but especially in the last two years, a lot of services are lucky to retain staff, let alone and and really maintain their authentic connections with the children that they care for. You know, going in and spending all this time doing pretty documentation on the wall is not a priority in my world. Like right. I, right. it is, it is great when you've got the time to do all that, and yeah. and I, you know, I think those pedagogical meetings with your team that, that's all fantastic and beautiful, but I worry about the pressure people feel to do that when they're lucky to keep ratios right. in, in their service and stuff. So I do feel that what I offer from a consultancy perspective is really practical down to earth. And I help people connect with knowledge that they might not be able to get if they just read a book or something. So um, I love that. I love being able to go in and just someone go, oh, yeah, that feels, that makes sense. And you know it's going to make impact straight up with those children and um I mean, Nicole and I were just out at Alice Springs, which is right in the middle of Australia. It's sort of dead where, where Uluru is, but it's about four hours from there, um, which is Ayers Rock for anyone who knows. And, you know, we sat down 
in the dirt with these little Aboriginal children that had the nappies hanging off them and it's not running all over their faces. And, and we sat down and played washing babies with them. There's not, you know, like that is so, and that child looking at me going, I, you get me and you're connecting with me is just the best feeling in the world. Yeah, it sounds just really going, wonderful. Just going and get a little bit of fabric. You saw the, the, they're dunking the baby in the baby bath. Oh, it actually wasn't a baby bath. It was just a bucket of water. And mm. I've run off and found a bit of fabric and given it to them. And they're like looking at me going, oh, you know what I'm trying to do. You know, and then they just spent like 40 minutes bathing this baby. Like it was uh-huh. magical. <laughs> wonderful. Absolutely yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Is, is your, are your children and is your family, are they proud of you? Yeah, it's actually funny. Um, yeah, both of them are. I don't think they understand a lot of the time exactly what I do. Um, <laughs> even my mum doesn't understand. She's exactly what do you do? I'm like, just jump on the website and have a look. Like, that's probably <laughs> the easiest way because it's everywhere. Um, but what's um, my eldest, Tom's just finished a trial, not just, but he finished it. He actually went into early childhood at Wood Rising where he went to preschool and did a traineeship there in early childhood. That's amazing. I know. And he's amazing at it. Like uh-huh. amazing at it. Um, but he I've tried to get him to work fast at Timberlock, but he doesn't like working for his mum. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He's he's absolutely phenomenal at it. He's a natural. It's just again, it's one of those things where because it doesn't pay enough, he's probably not gonna stay in it. Right. Right. You know, because yeah. it just doesn't. And he's not the sort of kid at this stage right now who would want to go to university to get to that higher paid position. So they're gonna lose him. But we're going to lose him in early childhood because yeah, yeah. He's a good yeah. kid too. Oh yes, he loves you. Trust me. <laughs> well, I, mean, up I mean, who doesn't? I mean, yeah. <laughs> but when yes, Jeff's when he comes over, he's yeah, they gang up on me. <laughs> so what's next? Next, okay. So we um, I can't say much, but some big things maybe happening happening out at Alice Springs. But um, maybe next time we talk, I can let you know more about that. Oh. I'm actually. I'm legally not allowed to say anything. That's really exciting. Um, I do want to get develop a childcare centre that can be a training hub just to have... I really believe people need to see it and feel it and immerse themselves in practice. It can't all just be talk, talk, talk. Right, absolutely. But, again, we've got to find the right site, the right site and the right space that would work for what we believe in, but also not put it into an already inundated space that has all these childcare services that aren't full either. Like that's not ethical. Um, so that's that. And we all are also thinking of becoming um, a registered training organisation, which means we could do the Cert 3 and all those crappy ones, but we could do it well. We want to sort of change the paradigm in Australia when it comes to what those training sessions could actually look like um, mm-hmm. because, you know, you can still make them amazing. You don't have to stick to the minimum requirements what's in there. So we would love to, in the next five years, be doing that. Like, again, role modelling what those training programs could look like with high-quality content and high-quality trainers and, and that sort of stuff. So it's just a couple of things. <laughs> so how did, you figure, how did you figure out the business side of things? Is that, was that all trial and error? Or have you, have you added staff people who are good at that side of things and care about that side of things? Or how do you make that work? Yeah, so we um, so it was all trial and error for the first probably six or seven, eight years, um, and then we realised it was going to be more than just this little thing with five of us working together. And we, um, Nicole and I, have invested a lot um, professionally ourselves, like 
um, got done a lot of work in the last four to five years around business management. We've surrounded ourselves with really good, like a good accountant, um, business mentors. We've, we've sort of, we know we've got the early childhood side of stuff, but we needed to bring the business acumen stuff in for us to grow how we want to grow and to make the impact that we want to. So we've learned a lot ourselves, but we've also um, brought the right people in to support us as well. Which is, I am you know, so impressed. I'm out of my mind. <laughs> really? well, you just need to come to Australia so you can come and hang out with us and have a beer on the beach. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> I would gotta, love you, that. You got to lock her up and make her do a training online first before she gets a beer. <laughs> oh, <on> the yes. <laughs> I want to go out and work with those little children. Oh, I'll tell you what, Timanook is the most magical place because it's not... Um, it's not regulated it's a different program so because we don't get CCS like the subsidy from the government um, yeah. like we're out in for six hours a day with a portaloo a, a tarp and a fire pit that's it in six acres for six hours like it's the most freeing amazing we've just started using floor books as a way to document the learning so we can really advocate it as a, as a um, so parents can see the learning and stuff that's happening um, so parents can go, okay, I can send them there instead of childcare. It's it's completely valid option um, because originally we didn't really do much documentation. We just played. And, I mean, we know the amazing stuff, but we didn't really have to. But that's what we're working on at the moment is really documenting it um, through the floor books approach to really advocate for its viability. Um, Very good, yeah. yeah. Which is amazing. So I... Um, have been doing some training sessions for the other Timonok providers in other countries as well to support. And we're sort of doing a bit of a pilot program on it at the moment, which will be, um, it's just, it's another way to advocate for play-based learning for kids. And that which it's- Which other countries? So they're in the U, they're all in the US, but they're also in the UK. Uh-huh. Yep. Great, great. Yep. Really exciting. Well, I'm going to make a note on the calendar to check back in with Tosh in 2037, give her 15 <laughs> years to, to grow things. And then uh, by then we should be able to do a part three of, uh, of her journey. The website is I'll be inspired. dead. No, you won't be. 2037? No. That's 15 years from now. You'll be what, 87? I'm going to be 73 next week. Okay, so you'll you'll be you'll be you'll be eighty eight. That's that's a good round number. It'll be great. We we'll, we'll still be recording. You keep drinking your vodka, be. and we'll be good. Um, so you gotta you gotta make sure all that stuff you just talked about um, comes to fruition, so that uh, we can we can talk about it. Uh, InspiredEC.com is the website. Any any final thoughts or words of wisdom you've got for people, Tosh? Uh, just stay inspired, like stay passionate about what we do. And if you feel that you're lagging in that, go and read something that makes you realize how that the jobs that we're doing is the best, the most important things that we can be doing in the world. Is oh, that's wonderful. Having great outcomes for children. Yep. Yeah, that's the best advice. Hey, and yeah. listeners, check out the Inspired EC website. Uh, I got to tell you, meeting Nicole and Tosh has been one of the highlights of my time in early learning, and it's been delightful. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's so good to see you guys. So oh. nice to see you again, Tasha. This has been the Child Care Bar and Grill podcast. This whiskey was delightful, by the way. <laughs> Back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.
This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.